all the time. We bless the Lord, forget none of his benefits, forgives all of our iniquities, heals all our infirmities, delivers our life out of the pit, follows us with loving kindness and goodness, fills our years with good things, that our youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen. Amen, amen. Do you tell yourself that on a regular basis? Okay, I got a couple of amens. The rest of y'all are growing old without having your youth renewed. <laughs> uh, uh, well, praise God. Find your place in Revelation chapter 2 this evening. We've been talking about the churches in Revelation. Um, and uh, I think we've been learning a few things, haven't we? Amen. Father, we bless you and honor you, Father. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. You are worthy of all adoration. You're the glorified Lord. You're the risen Savior, the majestic King, the mighty one, mighty to deliver are you, Lord. There is none like you, Lord. That's why we honor you and lift you up. You're the most high God. There is none that compares with you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for what you've done for us. You shed your blood. You paid our price. Thank you, Lord, that you set us free. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Father, that you so loved us, that you sent your son to die for us. That even in our unloving condition, Jesus still came for mankind. That we can choose him to be our Lord and our Savior. Thank you, Lord, that you have risen him from the dead, seated him at your right hand. That as we are in Christ, he represents us in heavenly places. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, as we approach your word this evening... We look to your Holy Spirit to teach us the word and impart revelation into our hearts. And I thank you, Lord, that there is no power that the enemy has that can overcome the revelation and impartation of your word. Father, I thank you that your anointing comes on the word and removes burdens and destroys yokes. Father, as your vessel, I give myself to you. Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me what it is that you would have your people to hear tonight. We know that there's a laid out plan that you want us to go down a certain road, but any side tracks you want to take, we're open to you. If there's anything you want to do, we're open to you. That we say, have your way, that your will would be done in our lives, in our midst. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. So if we would all uh, in the room or on live stream podcast, if you turn to Revelation chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3, and just do a little quick review of last week. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance that you cannot tolerate evil men and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Now we know that when he says to the angel, we, it means to the messenger or to the pastor of the church. 
And he says he holds in his hand or has a masterful grip on the seven stars. And we know that that has to do with the, the ministries. Isn't that right? And um, he, he says, I know, or he says he, he walks among the church and he beats a path. He's among us. He's in the midst of us. He walks down the gut of the church. And he considers the church to be golden, golden lampstands. They're precious and valuable to him. The church is the vessel for his Holy Spirit, is the church in the earth, that there is none like the church in the earth. And we're not talking about some religious organization. We're talking about the living church, the living temple of the living God, living stones that are being built up. Isn't that right? Amen. He says, I know your deeds. I know firsthand. I've been there. I walk in the middle of the church and I know your deeds. I know your toil and I know your perseverance. And that's what he says to us. He knows our deeds. He knows our toil. He knows our perseverance and he knows where it is and he knows where it lacks. And he puts and he says to the church of Ephesus, you put all proclaiming ministries to the test. Not everybody that walks in and says, I am a, a ministry or that I have a revelation, they do not automatically get the pulpit, but they are put to the test. And Ephesus was known as the protector of doctrinal purity. Amen. Amen. And they continued at it. They persevered at it. They never gave up and never backed off from doing that because they wanted to protect the name of the Lord so that when it came to knowing the Lord, he would be connected only with purest truth. Amen. 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 Oh, we could use that today. Amen. Verse 4. He says, but I have this against you that you have left your first love. So he says, in light of all you do, all of your hard work, all of your scrutinizing, and all of your not wanting to give up, I have or I hold this, continually hold this against you. I have, I have this. It's the same thing as when, when the Word of God says, you have this treasure in earthen vessels. You have it. You have a hold on it. It's in you. Isn't that right? Yeah. And you should have a masterful grip on that treasure that is on the inside of you. Amen. He says, I have this against you. The word against means to come down on you. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, I have this grudge against you. I know all the work you do, and I've seen that you don't quit. It's hard work. You're scrutinizing these people, and you're not giving up. But I have a grudge against you. So he feels very strongly about this. So considering all the work that Ephesus was doing, all the scrutinizing, all the, 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 the examining so that doctrinal purity would remain, you can imagine the shock that they heard when they heard Jesus say, I have this against you. Jesus, how could you have something against us? You see what we're doing? Lord, Lord, look at all that we do. But I have this against you. The man in the middle, the man that walked down through the gut of the church, he sees what's missing. And like we said last week, he'll see if we dishonor him in worship. He'll see if we'd rather talk to the person next to us and tell jokes during worship time. 
He sees if we get sloppy during the offering. He sees if we're busy texting or on social media instead of listening to the message that he's telling us. He sees it all. Nothing gets by him because he's there, he's here, and he knows it. Because we believe, according to the word, where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. That's not just some loose theology. Oh, Jesus is here. Yeah, and he's looking, and he's watching, and he's paying attention. Just like he sat at the treasury to watch how people were putting money into the treasury. Remember that? He sees what's missing. I have this against you. I have this grudge against you that you have left your first love. You left. You let go from yourself. You've left and deserted, and it was a slow departure. It's like a drift. Hebrews talks about that you would not drift. This is what he's talking about. You drifted away from your first or your foremost love. And it refers to the love that was first demonstrated. So a better translation would be that you left your early love or your early way of loving. Consider about when you first fell in love with somebody and you went through a romantic stage. And in that romantic stage, you never wanted to say goodbye. And after being together for hours, you couldn't wait to get home so you could call up on the phone and talk again. Or in the cell phone age, you're on the phone while you're driving home. Huh? And then, of course, through the years, love can mature and love can deepen. But you never have to lose the wonder of it all. The Ephesian church lost the wonder of it all. When you first met Jesus and you'd be in worship or you'd have encounters with Jesus, it would almost be breathtaking. It was the breathless wonder of being around the Lord. And we've lost. This is what he's telling them. You've lost that. And the closest you can have to that type of relationship with the Lord is somebody that you are breathlessly in love with in the natural realm. Are you with me? Look at the verse 4 in the uh, Passion Translation. He says, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the passionate love that you had for me at the beginning. Passionate love. He doesn't want to lose that passionate love. And he doesn't like it when we lose it. The Ephesian church was doing the work. They were busy. You know, we might be doing the work. We might be busy. We show up for church. I mean, we sing songs in worship. We even pray. But are we in a spiritual backslidden condition like the church of Ephesus was? See, they were working. They were busy. They were doing the works of God. But they were in a spiritual backslidden condition. Why? Because their relationship changed. They lost the love because they became intelligent, educated, sophisticated. I know the word. I could even quote it. Oh, yeah, I know what the word says about that. Yeah, 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 I know what the word says. Intelligent, educated, sophisticated, lost as a goose in the fog. Left the early way of loving. 
See, in the early way of loving, when you heard that about the word, it wasn't like, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know what the word says. See, that wasn't your attitude when you first heard it. You were like a sponge. And now the world's squeezing you and all the water's running back out. You're still the sponge. You just lost the water. You've left the early way of loving. Jesus has this against them. You've let it slip through your fingers and didn't even realize it. What you once held tightly, you've now let it loose. It's unintentional. Life got cluttered, kind of like a marriage does. We get busy. Things get cluttered. We don't have time. We've been so busy with stuff. Oh, I'm just too, I got time to spend together. I'm just too tired. Might be together physically, but your mind's far away. Thinking about all other kinds of other stuff. You could be sitting in church, looking very Christian-like, listening to the word, and your mind's so far away. Left your first love. Sometimes you go through things in life, and there's battles you have to deal with. And you get tired from the battle, and you cool off, and never come back to the place you need to be. Left your first love. Jesus says, I see all you do. I see your labor. I see your deeds. I see how you hang in there. I see the responsibility you take to protect my pure doctrine. But he says to them, you forgot the most important thing. You forgot what everything else is all about. Maintaining that early love. Most important. More important than anything. You've left and lost the wonder of it all. Someone's wife might ask them, honey, do you love me? And the man recites all that he does, all of his work, all of his toil, how he provides, how he gets them the things that they need, how he put them in a house, how he got them a car. And just like with the Lord, he's involved with the toil, but he lost the twinkle. He's doing the works, but he's left the wonder. He's continually persevering, but he quit pursuing. The twinkle, the wonder, and the pursuing is the relationship. The works, the toil, and the persevering is the works. You don't need one or the other. You need both. You can't forsake one for the other. You got to keep both. You continue with the works. You continue with the toil. You continue with the persevering. But you got to come back to the wonder. You got to regain the twinkle. And you got to engage in the pursuing. Fervent in, sport, in spirit. Boiling over in spirit. And serving the Lord. Amen. You can never afford to lose that. When your life gets so cluttered that you're too tired to spend time with the Lord, that's not a good sign. See, when you were dating somebody and you were in love, you never got that tired. You were never that tired. It didn't matter what you did all day long. You always had enough energy to whatever, go out for dinner, go to a movie, spend time together. 
He always had the energy for that. But then all of a sudden, we could work all week long, and they're having a meeting up in Arcadia. Throw me in a car. I'll be up yeah. there. Yeah. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Now it's like, I'm beat. I ain't even going across town. Don't shout me down. Like it hasn't happened to all of us. Now, the church of Ephesus is the first church that Jesus talks to in all the churches of Revelation. And the first thing he talks about is purest truth, holding on to pure purity of doctrine. It's most important. But your first love is the most important position for you to stay in, the early way of loving. The book of Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, you're now going to be perfected by the flesh. What is he talking about? You've left your first love and you're back into works again. Right. Well, what is that? I know what the Word says. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. I know what the Word says. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What is that? That's works. No life. Works. I know. Works. No life works intelligent sophisticated educated lifeless you got to make sure there's life in these things that it's coming out from your spirit out of your heart comes the forces of life not out of a mouth connected to nothing well if i'm saying it no 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 because if you're saying it and it's not being said from your spirit, then you need to be meditating on it and speaking it inwardly to get it into your spirit so it can come out with force. It's life. It's got to be life-giving. It's not a Charlie Brown cartoon. Because that's how it can sound. Israel's history, they left the, their love of the Lord over and over and oh, again and gotten into adult idolatry, and it always brought captivity. That was always the outcome. And you know the 4S syndrome, they would sin, they would suffer, they would make supplication to the Lord, and then he would bring salvation. And then they would get back into sin again, and they would suffer, and they'd make supplication to the Lord, and then he would bring salvation over and over and over again. Why? Because they kept walking away from the one that delivered them. And again, it's not a, I turn, I, it's not a matter of I turn my back on Jesus. Oh, you know, I still believe in Jesus. He's still Lord. This is my wife. She's still my wife. She's been my wife for 49 years. But do I spend time with her? No. I, I didn't think you'd say that. I, I figured you would say that. Yes, I know you've been in the field for the last several weeks. She knows more about lights. <laughs> so think about it. You set your love on somebody and share in a relationship, and they gradually pull their away, self away into Christmas decorations. <laughs> you, know that, you know we're just joking, right? But that happens in relationships. Gradually pull yourself away, and, and then that person is just kind of like one step removed. They're there, but it's not the same. And doesn't that hurt? 
it's not the same anymore. There's something's happened in the relationship. So if you find yourself in that condition, thankfully, there is always a remedy. Jesus always gives us a remedy. And it's not, oh, thank you, Jesus. There's a remedy. You got to do something. (laughs) You can't confess the remedy. You got to do it. It may start with a confession, but the confession is to turn into action. It's the whole purpose of confession, that it turns into actions and decisions. Verse 5, therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. So the remedy needed, number one, remember. Now, we talked about remembering in the uh, church of Sardis, so you can go back and listen to that teaching. And he says, remember from where you have fallen or fallen from. It's to lose one's part or interest. Remember from the interest you fell from. Now, in the natural, Ephesus was a great church. It was the largest church ever, ever in that time and since then. There's never been a church as great and as large as Ephesus. But Jesus said, you're fallen. To the natural, they look great. But Jesus said, you're fallen. The church of Sardis, it says, you have a name and it is that you're alive, but I'm telling you, you're dead. Things are about to fall to pieces. Remember? See, there's one thing that, that, that the world judges based on what they see. And then there's another thing that the man in the middle that walks down through the gut of the church knows everything. And it is his opinion that matters. Remember where you were at. Remember your position. Remember the wonder that you had. You went around sharing Jesus all the time. You were just loving to everybody and loved the Lord. Your labor was good. Your doctrinal purity was great. But your early love is absent. And therefore, I call you fallen. You've backslidden. Remember. Realize that you have become spiritually fallen. That's the first step. You have to realize it. you got to admit where you're at. It's always the first step. If you confess your sin, then he is faithful and just to forgive you. But to confess your sin means to repent and to turn. And that's why the second thing is repent. And again, repent we covered in the Sardis church. So you can go back and listen to that about repentance. Simply is changing our mind. Jesus said, just make up your mind to change. Just make up your mind to, well, it's not that easy. Jesus said it was that easy. Make up your mind to change. Now you keep telling yourself it's not that easy, and that's why it's not that easy, because you say it's not that easy. You have taken a contrary condition and position to what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, repent, change your mind. Just change your mind. But it's hard to change your mind. No, it's just that your flesh is in control. That's all it is. You don't even realize you're a spirit being anymore, and you're in control of the house. When you say things like, it's not that easy, that's hard to do, your flesh is in control. That is carnality to the maximum, that you can't obey God because your flesh is in control. 
That is the definition of carnality. And that's fallen. Just make up your mind to change. Go to the Lord and ask him for help. Ask the Lord for grace. Get into the word of God and find out what it says about repenting and forgiveness and forgive yourself first. And realize God don't hold anything against you. And he's ready to work with you and help you in every and any situation. There is nothing you've done that is beyond his reach. Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. There is more grace available to you for anything that you've ever done. Amen. So remember and then repent and do the deeds that you did at first or repeat the first works. People say things like, well, you know, that's when I was a baby Christian, but, you know, now we're more mature. What does that mean? It means I'm more educated, I'm more intelligent, and I'm more sophisticated, and you're more carnal. You never needed a class on how to love the Lord. When you got saved, you just loved Jesus. You ran hard after Jesus. You didn't need to have anybody to tell you how to do that. You just did that. But now we're sophisticated. It's like laying hands. I, I remember laying hands on somebody, and, and she's like, oh, don't, don't mess my hair up. Don't mess your hair up. You're sick as a dog, and you're worried about your hair. Remember that. Repeat the first works. Go back to the way that it was at first. And he commands this. This is a command. Do the deeds you did at first. Actively choose to do it. Nobody can do it for you. Just like it works in all relationships. You know, relationships are work. You know, we've been married 49 years. It hasn't been 49 years of bliss. <laughs> there were three, at least three years there that we just like to wipe out. You know, but even through the years, you know, there's times that you have to go back and you have to think about having fallen in love, why you fell in love, the person you fell in love with, and then talk about how you still love that person and let that stir up on the inside. It's not that that love wasn't there anymore, but the clutter of the world wants to cover it over. We're so busy. We got all other kinds of stuff going on. All uh, things that somebody said five years ago, something that happened 15 years ago. Oh, dear God, you know, I don't know if I can ever get over that. Just all kinds of garbage. You need to stir up. Yeah. Stir up. I forget who it was. Was it Noel Hayes? People would come, to, a couple would come to him for counseling. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, they talk about how they're very get, getting close to divorce. And he would make both of them. Now, it takes two, you know. You can't do this with just one. But it takes both. And he would make the, the husband and the wife kneel before the Lord in that counseling session and talk about why they ever fell in love to begin with. See, they forgot. They forgot. 
when you forget, then you can't forgive. When you forget, you can't forgive. Because it's all about that thing rather than why you fell in love. Because when you remember, you can forgive anything. No, I didn't say it was easy. I said you can do it. It's doable. And it takes two. You know, my daughter used to say, you know, well, God fixed up your marriage. He can. Well, but it took two. I couldn't do that on my own. She couldn't do that on her own. But God fixed up our marriage because we were both going to run in the same direction. Are you with me? Do the deed you did at first. Do it. It means action. To form and produce and to bring about action. Any external action as manifested in the production of something tangible and obvious to the senses. Do the things you did at first. Manifested. Any external act as manifested in the production, production of something tangible and obvious to the senses. So when he says do the deeds that you did at first, he means do outwardly. Do them. Do the things you did at first. Like what? Maybe never miss church. Maybe that was one of the things you did at first. Now it's like, well, if I don't have something else to do, or if it's a certain time of the year, or if something's going on over here, or whatever the reason might be. So now maybe, you know, what I did before was I would never miss church, but now I'm kind of sporadic. So that would be something to, that has to be changed. What was one of the deeds you did at first? That would be one. You know, I remember working in the automotive business all week long, and then there was a, a Holy Ghost meeting going on up in Arcadia, and we'd all crowd into the back of a box truck and sit in the back of a box truck and drive up to Arcadia for the meetings for Friday night, Saturday, and then back in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then back in the shop all week long, and then being in church on Tuesday and midweek service and anything else that was going on. And never miss. That was what we did at first. Are you with me? So you have to think about what were the things you did at first that you're not doing now. Do the things, the Greek word poieo. It's where we get the word poet. And a poet is creative. You know, when you first started dating, you would find creative ways to spend time together. If you had a rigorous schedule, you'd toss it to the wind and make time to spend together. You would do whatever it took. You were creative in ways to spend time together. Why? Because you were in love. So he says, repent, remember, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Do it, which means by doing these things, it confirms your repentance. Remember, you keep with repentance to the bearing of fruit, right? 
the manifestation in the production of something tangible and obvious to the senses. So I'm repenting to where it's obvious outwardly to my senses, I even know it, and it is a bearing of fruit that shows my repentance. And you are to confirm your repentance with immediate action or you'll lose your decision. And this happens at church all the time. Sit in church. You might get a conviction. Oh, dear God, I got to change that. I got to change that. But, you know, then you leave and you go to lunch and you go do whatever. And you just kind of forget about it. And because you don't have immediate action, you forgot it. You lost your decision. You sat in church and said, I need to change that. You forgot it, though, because you didn't have immediate action. And it just fell by the wayside. What was that? That was the first person in the parable of the sower. They heard the word, but it never really went anyplace because it was never received, and therefore it was stolen right away. First person, parable of the sower. We would think that after how many years of being saved, we would be really down there at the fourth person all the time. But how much of the time are we at the first person in the parable of the sower? Remember, repent, and do the deed you did at first or else. I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. He says, or else I'm coming. He didn't say, you need to remember, you need to repent and do the deed you did. I mean, I mean, whatever, you know, uh, whatever you want. To do. I mean, if you get around to it, you know, whatever. He didn't say that. He didn't say, maybe I'm going to come. You know, I'm thinking about coming. No, he said, I am coming. I'm coming to who? You. I don't want Jesus coming to me like this. How about you? No. no. I, I like him to come, but not like this. <laughs> come for another reason. <laughs> okay, I'm the only one smiling. The church of Ephesus, their focus was on detecting and rooting out dangerous teachings. And we talked about this last week, that we can have friends, we can have relatives, we can have acquaintances, we can have people we work with, and they say stuff all the time. They could even be Christian people, but their doctrine is so way off that it's actually dangerous. And we have to realize that and not take a hold of it and not even hang around with it. Are you with me? But their focus on detecting and rooting out dangerous teachings, unfortunately, appears to have taken precedence over the maintenance of a personal love for God and a deep love for one another in the Christian community. So we have to maintain our personal love for God. I hear Christians all the time, 40-some-odd years of hearing Christians. I don't go to church anymore. I'm not involved in this anymore. But you know, I still love God. Really? Then how come you're not doing the deed you did at first? You've left your early love. You have become educated with your love for God, sophisticated with your love for God. And it's just something out of the intellect, not out of the heart anymore. Are you with me? 
unless you repent, I will remove your lampstand. Unless you change your mind and change your actions. Now, in this way of Jesus is speaking, he expects that you will. He's not there like, well, I'll tell you what, unless you do something. He is expecting that you're going to. That's his attitude and how he's speaking here. There was a lot of dangerous teachings. In fact, if you go to verse 6, the dangerous teachings was uh, with the Nicolaitans. And he says, this you do have. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The word hate means to abhor and to detest. I abhor and detest the deeds of the Nicolaitans. That does not sound like the loving Jesus of our emotions. You know, our emotions are, oh, Jesus is so loving. Loving, loving, loving Jesus. Just oh, love, ooey-gooey, love, love, love. No, he abhors some things and he detests some stuff. And that is not the Jesus of our emotions. He has the Jesus with the eyes of fire and the feet are in burnished bronze and judgment is about to happen. Thank God they're not bronze yet, but they're almost bronze, which means judgment's about to happen. Now, what was wrong with the teaching of the Nicolaitans? The teachings of the Nicolaitans was evil and would lead to sin, and they taught that the only way you can overcome sin was to experience it all. Once you experience the whole gamut of sin, then you will overcome it. Well, that's a lie. Take another bite of the of the tree there you know that was just the uh the whole temptation of the serpent with eve wasn't it jesus does not like this he's not happy with it he's glad that they don't like it now if you notice that when jesus comes he says i see your works i see your toil i see that you test those that are apostles and he commends them for it and then he says and you do have this you hate the deeds of the nicolaitans he commends them for that but in between the commendation on both sides is the correction commendation correction commendation he does not leave you in the correction but he does expect you to deal with it are you with me and he says, um, I think it was in verse uh, 5, he says that you were, I will remove your lampstand. And as we've seen before, that doesn't mean anything about losing your salvation or anything. The lampstand is the what? The church. So he's talking about the church is going to lose its place. Verse 7. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. The paradise. This is a, this Greek word for paradise is an oriental word that the Greeks borrowed from the Persians. And it meant a garden, a park, or an enclosure full of all the vegetable products of the earth. In Xenophon's Economics and Socrates said that the king of Persia took particular care that wherever he was to have, the, have gardens or enclosures full of every beautiful and good thing that the earth could produce. And all of these gardens and enclosures were called paradises. And Jesus is saying here, whatever sin offers to you, 
I can far exceed in the greatness that I give to you who overcomes. Now, he's not talking about being an overcomer in the new birth. Remember, he's talking here to the churches. So all these folks are already born again. So he's not talking about overcoming the world as far as overcoming sin and stepping into eternity and being saved. He's talking to the church. And what he says when he talks to overcome, when he says him who overcome, he's talking about overcoming in your living, in your everyday life, that your life on earth would be the life of an overcomer. And what is he talking about? Overcoming a spiritually backslidden condition of having lost your first love. And he's calling us back. I will grant him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. It's not only heaven, but it's a place of fullness, abundance, all good things on the earth as well as in heaven. It was also meant in the sense of seeing the effects of the curse being rolled back in our own lives through walking in Jesus's redeeming love. That the more we walk in that love and the more we keep that love alive, the more that curse gets rolled back in our life. Because we're more, walking more with him and we're walking away from the things of the world. But the more you walk away from that early love and that first love, the more you walk with the things of the world. And here comes the curse again. I thought I was redeemed from this curse. You're walking in the wrong place. The paradise. Not only entering into heaven, but in heaven's fullness. Can you imagine that? No. No, you can't. But he's talking about walking with the Lord personally. Just like Adam in the garden, and the Lord would come in the cool of the day and walk and talk with Adam. The fullness. The fullness. What is Jesus looking for? Somebody to have an ear. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Whoever responds, receives. Remember and do as at first the deeds of love. Seven churches, seven messages, the number of perfection applies to everybody. Is he speaking to you today? You know, we're stepping into tomorrow's going to be uh, what, we, what we celebrate Thanksgiving. Well, what is Thanksgiving about? Is it all about preparing? Oh, dear God, i got to prepare all day for a meal. Or is it about going someplace to eat turkey? Or maybe it's about football or other sports that we get to watch. Do we spend the day with a heart of thanks? It's thanksgiving. Do we spend the day with a heart of thanks? Or is it a worldly holiday or a day to remember with thankfulness? Thankful for all the Lord has done. Delivered me out of the pit. Brought me out of my connection with hell. And save me from a life of eternity of torment. That he shed his blood so that I can make an acceptance of him into my life. And be disconnected from all the works of the devil. Be redeemed from sin. Redeemed from sickness. Redeemed from lack. Redeemed from disease. Redeemed from poverty. Redeemed from, 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 from 
oppression and depression redeemed in my life, redeemed from hopelessness and having a future with a hope. All that he has done for me from where I was 41 years ago delivered me out, saved me, filled me with the Holy Spirit, set me free so I could choose to live free. See, you can't choose to live free unless you've been set free. Jesus set us free so we can choose to live free. And then he found this great nation that we live in and gave us the wonderful privilege of being born in this nation. And now he's leading a coalition to bring this nation back to his very founding established truths that hold this nation together. And he's bringing a freedom that none alive on the earth, on the face of the earth, there's not one alive on the face of the earth that has ever experienced the freedom he's about to bring onto the earth. Amen. Thankful. Thankful. Thankfulness is established by relationship. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving, and you need more of a relationship than with that turkey. And I don't mean the person that's living with you. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. See, but the more you step away from that first love, the less thankful you become and the more needy you get. Oh, God, I need. Oh, God, I need. Oh, God, I'm believing for. Oh, God, I want. That becomes more prevalent in your life than the thankfulness because you've walked away and backed off from that first love. Again, the first message to the churches is about holding the truth and pursuing love of Jesus. If you remember when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 14, he said, follow after love and desire earnestly spiritual things. Follow after love. Pursue love. Pursue your relationship and love with the Lord more than anything. That's the pursuit of life. You can desire the powerful things of the Spirit, but the pursuit of life is the love of the Lord. And you then you desire the spiritual things because that's the only way you can function in the kingdom. Without the spiritual things, you're only functioning by the flesh. Doesn't matter what you do. God's a supernatural God. The church is a supernatural entity. And everything that we do with him is to be supernatural. Out from our spirit. And the promise of life that he makes for every overcomer is far above the good life the world promises us with all of its distractions. Do we hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches today? Do we hear what the Spirit is saying to us? Do I hear what the Spirit is saying to me? To him, to you who overcomes the sin and the distractions from the first love. To him is the promise of the fullness of paradise. Not only heaven, but a place of fullness, a completely full eternity. Stepping into a full reward, full inheritance. You can't even imagine that. You could try. You could like, oh, that would be so good. You have no idea 
Well, how do you know that? Because no matter what you can imagine or even think that you can imagine, he can do exceeding abundantly beyond your wildest imagination. You can't imagine it. All you can know is that it's going to be so good, I don't want to miss out on it. This is better than a Broadway play. This is better than a musical concert. Although I like Broadway plays, and I like musical concerts. This is a whole lot better. Beyond your imagination is the promise when we overcome being spiritually backslidden. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, just lift your hands to the Lord. If you're on live stream, podcast, lift your hands to the Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Holy Spirit, I know that all through this evening you've been speaking to us. Lord, what it is that you've been talking to us about, just seal those things on the inside of us right now and continually bring them up within us. We give you, we give you the right to bring these things up on the inside of us. Remind us, bring it to our remembrance so that we'll continue to press in and take hold of and walk in the direction of the deeds that we did at first. Lord, we repent of our backing away from loving you in the way that we did. Oh, Father, we realize now what we have done and the direction we have gone. But we're repenting, we're turning. Help us, Holy Spirit, to continue with that repentance, continue with that turning, continue with that changing of our mind to the bearing of fruit. That it become obvious, not only to our senses, but it becomes evident to all. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the empowerment of your spirit. Thank you for the power of your word. And thank you for the power of choice. That those three things cannot be defeated. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Say this with me. Lord, I love you. More today than when I first met you. I know I might just be saying it, but I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start living it because it is the reality within me. And I speak these things out of my spirit. And it will be so. For as I continue to say it, it will get into my choices, into my decisions, into my life. Lord, I love you. I thank you for all that you are, all that you do. Thank you, Lord. You've never given up on me. You've never left me, never turned your back on me. But you've always been right here, 
with me, for me, and in me. Thank you, Lord, that you hold to me with a masterful grip. And I am now choosing to hold to you with a masterful grip, pressing in for more and more. Amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've sealed these things on the inside of us, that you've released your anointing in us, that through our confession, Lord, through our declarations, that the that the anointing of your spirit moves on the inside of us. This will not just become another teaching, another thing that I heard, but it will become a reality in my life that I will walk in it, will take hold of it, and it will be that which defines my life, walking in my early love with you. Lord, I thank you that as we come before you with our giving, Lord, we give to you today just like the first day it became alive on the inside of us that I could sow a seed, that I can reap a harvest, that fruit can come back into my life, that I can share fruit with others, sow seed again back into the kingdom, that I can promote the things of the kingdom of God in this earth. Oh, Father, I thank you that that excitement of believing you in sowing and reaping, planting and receiving. Father, we sow with that excitement and expectation, Lord, based on your word in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thanks for joining us tonight on live stream, a podcast. So glad you could be with us. I pray that the word of God has touched you right where you're at. I know that some of the stuff sometimes gets a little rough and it gets a little harsh and sometimes it ruffles us a little bit, but God always has a good outcome. He's always got a place to bring us to where things can be better in our life. And all he wants to do is expose to us the traps that the devil has set so that we can avoid them, get out of them and get back into the blessing of God. So I'm so glad you joined us tonight. And if you'd like to sow seed into the kingdom, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and you can click on the giving link. Thank you in advance for the seed that you sow. If there's anything at all that we can believe God for with you, we can stand with you, please just let us know. It is always a privilege to stand with our partners in prayer. And whether you're there, whether you're here, we wish you all a very, very wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the day. Enjoy a thankful day. Because remember, when you stay thankful, you stay joyful. Amen.